0: Book of Daniel, first chapter. We're going to read the eighth verse. It says But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. When you go home, you can read the rest of the chapter. As I read this and thought about it, I thought Daniel didn't want to defile himself. But all through this book we read about men that were defiled and what it cost them. And so here, <coughs> you Bible readers know that Jerusalem and Israel had disobeyed God. And God allowed Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar to come in And take Judah and Jerusalem. And Nebuchadnezzar took the best and the brightest of the children of Israel captive, and the vessels that were in the house of God he took back with him to put in the house of his gods. And here is Daniel and the three Hebrew children that Nebuchadnezzar called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king wanted these children that had the ability in them to stand before the king. He wanted to nourish them up. He wanted to teach them the language of the Chaldeans. And he wanted them to teach them in the ways that, of Babylon. So that in three years time they would be able to stand before the king. And whenever the eunuch the brought in what the king wanted them to have and Daniel saw it and I know we we read about Jewish tradition and how they wouldn't, wouldn't have pork and things of that nature. I don't know what it was that was offered. It was a portion of the king's meat and of the king's wine. That's what the King James Version Bible says. But I do know that this, Daniel did want to defile himself. He knew if he took what the king of Babylon offered him, he'd be defiled. If you take what the world's offering you, you'll be defiled. If you take what Satan's offering you, you'll be defiled. Preacher, what is defiled? What does that mean? Well, I thought of it in these terms, I guess. I could have two Shirts for you to, for you, gentlemen, two white shirts. One of them pristine condition. Looked like it would have been ironed and the creases were still in it. And one of them wrinkled and maybe grease smeared across the front of it. Which one would you choose? Would you choose the one that had been defiled? Would you choose the one that had been damaged? Would you choose the one whose value was now less than it was originally? Would you choose the one that, that maybe couldn't be presented before a, a king or a president or something like that? It was one that you wouldn't wear. <coughs> That's what being defiled is. It's, it's causing damage to the point of you're not what you used to be. It's causing damage to the point to where your, 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 your vessel is something that God can no longer use. Maybe I've used this analogy several times before about inviting folks over to the house and might be the best aroma, the best smelling food you've ever smelled in your life. Uh, but when I set it down to you, your plate might have some leftover dried food on the plate. You'd think twice about eating from that plate, wouldn't you? Why? Because it's defiled. Because it's not clean. Because it indicates that there might be some germs or some contamination on that plate. That's what being defiled is. And if the Lord will help me to preach to you for a few minutes, I'd like to show you what being defiled will do to you. Now here, Daniel requested that he wouldn't have the portion of the king's meat or the king's wine. And the eunuch said, why, if the the king knew of this, he would have my head. And Daniel said, well, let's prove it. Let's prove it out. Let's see what will happen if we're not defiled. And so he asked for ten days to go without eating the portion of the king's meat or the king's wine. Let me tell you something. Every day that you don't take what Satan gives you. It makes you stronger. Makes you count us better. Makes you a better Christian. Makes your light shine a little brighter. Yeah. 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 Defiled. And at the end of the ten days. And I'm going to try There's way more in this than I can ever preach out. At the end, he said, just give us pulse and water. We went on a vacation one time several years ago. And you pray for me for a few minutes. We went to Hawaii. And of course, when you go to a different place, you try to see things in their culture and things like that. and So we went to eat at a pig roast. Uh, It had a certain term, I can't recall the term. But anyway, uh, they they offered us, the host offered us a vegetable that was peculiar to Hawaii and the islands around there. It was called poi. Mm -hmm. And he said, you taste that And after you taste it, you know why we give it to you. It it was just plain, very bland. But he said it helped them to exist and survive for years and years and years. And so that's what I think of when I think of pus. I think of a root vegetable that grew out of the ground. It maybe had bland, had very little taste. Something you wouldn't ask for to eat. Something that you would volunteer to survive on. It was just the plain old stuff. I know we've lived to a day where folks think we've got to have entertainment at church. We have to have the lights. We have to have a great sound system. We have to have someone that is attractive and has a great voice and things of that nature. Let me explain to you something. All that is fluff. We need the plate on stuff in 2022. We need the Gospel. We need people with the power of God in their lives. We need folks that it, know who they're singing about and can feel it on the inside. We need the plate on stuff. Just prove us. Prove us ten days. And at the end of the ten days, the unit came back down. And looked at Daniel and his companions and looked at the folks that had taken and defiled themselves with a portion of the king's meat and the king's wine. And after just 10 days, preacher, nobody knows about my sin. Nobody knows what I do. It'll show in your countenance. After just 10 days, there was a noticeable difference. Now you think about this. This was the children that were held captive of the soldiers of Babylon. Ten days without what the king had to offer. Just the plain old stuff, pulse and water. And yet... Here is a nation, soldiers, kings, soothsayers, magicians, a whole nation that had taken off the portion of the king's meat, and the king's wife repeatedly, day after day, over and over, had defiled themselves repeatedly, Think about the difference in their countenance and they were so blinded. They couldn't tell. I'm here to tell you today. That's the world that we live in right now. Sin has eaten our people up. Their countenance is showing. What do you mean, preacher? Take a look at the number we've got at church. And take a look at the number you see at Walmart. You can tell a great big difference. And if there ever was a day that you need to take the plate off, stuff... Day after day, that you need not to defile yourself. It's the day that we live in because people can see a difference in your countenance. And a whole nation defiled looked in the mirror every day. That's how sin works. Did you know that? You won't tell a change on day one, but you just keep on bringing that stuff into your life, it'll make a complete change in you, it defiles you, it makes you less than what you are, it makes you weaker as a Christian, it makes you more agreeable to the things of this world when you defile yourself, alright, moving on. So we read where Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And he called in the soothsayers, he called in the magicians, he called in the Chaldeans, all the wise men of his country to tell him the dream and the interpretation thereof. And these men said, well, if you'll tell us the dream, we'll give you the interpretation. And he said, no, you're just trying to gain the time. And he got angry and he said, if you can't tell me the dream and the interpretation, I'll have all your heads. It'll cost you your life. Now here are some men that should have some insight as to what life is really about. Here are some men that depended on their wisdom to get them through life. Here are some men that you would think could kind of see into the future what may be coming to pass. You know why they couldn't do their job? Because they were defiled how many times had they sat at the king's table and eaten a portion of the king's meat, drinking the king's Let me tell you something. When you've inhaled everything Satan's got for you, don't expect to be able to feel the power of God. When you have taken in time after time and agreed with sin and and enjoyed the pleasure of sin for a season, you can't expect to have any insight. You can't expect. I believe the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. How afraid do you think our people are of God anymore? They don't come to His house. They don't acknowledge Him when they sit down to eat. They don't remember His Sabbath day. How afraid do you think people are of God anymore? Then how smart do you think they really are? How wise are they? If they don't acknowledge any of His laws, any of His love, any of His wisdom, How wise do you think they really are? It could have cost these men their lives. But Daniel heard about what was going to happen to these men. And he didn't want his life and the lives of his friends to be locked in with hers. So he went back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is just my terms. I believe he said, boys, let's pray. This is a dark time and a dark hour, but God's got a answer. And they prayed. And Daniel saw in a night vision what the dream and the interpretation was. And these wise men, these Chaldeans, these soothsayers were shaking in their boots. They said, there's not a man that could tell you, king, Uh, here on the earth what your dream and your interpretation was. And Daniel agreed with them. But he said, there is a God. Whenever we think that our backs are against the wall, when the waves are over our head, when it seems like all hope is gone, when it looks like this virus is just going to eat us up, when it looks like cancer is going to kill us, when it looks like our lives are dark as dark can be, there is a God that knows more than we ever do. He's omnipotent, it's what the Bible says. All right. Here's your dream king, you saw an image with a head of gold, a chest of silver, loins of brass, legs and feet of steel and maori clay. And here's your interpretation, Nebuchadnezzar, that head of gold is you. And after your kingdom, there'll be an inferior kingdom that comes after you. That's the, that's the one of silver, and so on and so forth. That's what Nebuchadnezzar heard. What he missed was the stone. What he didn't hear, what he didn't acknowledge, was the stone. What stone, preacher? The stone. That came rolling down out of Babylon. It crushed all of the kingdoms. And set up a kingdom that would stand forever. What was a stone? Jesus is that stone. So you know the next thing. There was lives saved. By men that should have been able to do their job. But they couldn't. Why? Because they were defiled. So the next thing we read, Nebuchadnezzar did. He heard the gold part. How do he know, preacher? Because the next thing we read, he was building an image of gold. You just bow down at this, at what time you hear the music and everything will be all right. But three folks that weren't defiled said, we're not going to bow. There's no need for all that hooping and hollering. Your minister should stand behind the stand and smile, keep it under 15 minutes, and tell you you're okay, and that's all the gospel we need. Let us take care of the rest of the service. Is that what you're going to go along with? Are you going to bow? Are you going to attend the service where you'd have to pay money because it's a Broadway show because that's what you're getting? Preacher, you sure are down on that. If the power of God is not in it, it's not church. Amen. Whether it's Dutch Bottoms or whether it's the biggest church in East Tennessee. If you're not free to praise the Lord, it's not church. Alright. Alright. Some folks wouldn't like that. The preacher, they hand out them programs, we follow one two here. Did you know that? If we're not very careful, we follow one two here. My sister, my niece is here tonight down at Browns. If they're not careful, they'll follow one down at Browns too. It don't have to be on paper. We get in a rut sometimes and we think this has to happen, that has to happen. You know what has to happen? God has to happen. Amen. He has to be on the scene. So Nebuchadnezzar called the three Hebrew children before him. He said, if you'll bow, all will be well. They said, King, we're not careful to answer you concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, which we serve continually, I believe this is the, the undefiled speaking right here. I believe these men had faith. Where is your faith in 2022? We live frightened. We live scared. I'm not saying God will keep you from this virus. I'm saying He'll give you grace to get through it. If it be so, our God, which we serve continually, is able to keep us from the burning, fiery furnace. But if not, we're not going to bow. And so the king was angry, had the furnace heated seven times hotter than it had ever been. He bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm trying to hurry. And he took the mightiest of men. I believe he had some strong fellows, I believe he had some powerful men. The mightiest men of Babylon carried. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up to the top of the burning fiery furnace with the intentions of throwing them off into flames. And when they got up there, sure enough, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell off in the burning fiery furnace. But I want you to know what happened to the men the mightiest men of Babylon, men who were defiled. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. It doesn't matter how healthy you are. It doesn't matter your human strength. It doesn't matter your intellect. It doesn't matter how popular you are. The heat alone of the furnace destroyed the mightiest men of Babylon. Why? Because they were defiled. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Right. Be sure... Your sins will find you out. You can hide them from me. You can hide them from your wife. You can hide them from your husband. You can hide them from your children. You can hide them from your mom and daddy. but He knows. He sees. If he knows the very higher of our head and the thoughts and the intentions of our heart, he knows whether or not we're defiled. He knows whether or not Mike is defiled. He knows whether or not you are defiled. You do too. All right. There they are. Should I stop right there? I should probably tell you what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, shouldn't I? Did you know God had grace for Nebuchadnezzar? There he was. He had had brought out the best and the brightest. Children, that's what Satan would like to do. Just take a look right here. Take a look right over there. Satan would love to drag them right out. He'd love to get you to the point where he'd say, and you'd believe him, you don't really need to be there. You know how you've lived. You know what you've done. When you're as wrong as wrong can be, when you are blackened, eat up, filthy with sin. Right here is the place for you. Amen. Preacher, what will they say? i tell you what they'll say. We're so glad you made it to church. <laughs> We're so glad to see you. We're so glad you're here. You know why we've got a world of people defiled and don't realize it? They've not been to church in so long they've not heard the gospel. You know why my loved ones, your loved ones won't come to the church when the doors are open? Because there's something inside the sanctuary that causes them to realize where they're at and where they need to be. They realize through the, through the power of God and the Gospel that they're defiled. God had grace for Nebuchadnezzar. How do you know, preacher? Because the heat of the fire that was enough alone to kill the mightiest men of Babylon. Now, I don't know. I, I haven't read. I haven't studied Nebuchadnezzar's physical characteristics. I don't know his age. But in my mind, I could picture a king that was slightly older than the mightiest of his soldiers. I could picture a king that may be in middle age and the soldiers being young men, stout, worked out, was strong, able to do a lot of things and the heat alone was enough to destroy them. And yet God gave Nebuchadnezzar enough grace to get over the edge and look down into flames and say, did we not cast in three men? For lo, I see four. And the fourth is like unto the Son of God. You tell me if that's not grace. You want some more grace on Nebuchadnezzar's behalf? Who had to dream and saw the stone? You see, God has grace, even for those that are his. Let's go on. You want more evidence of Nebuchadnezzar's grace and what being defiled causes a man to do? Nebuchadnezzar had another dream. He dreamed about a tree being out in the field. And, he, and Daniel came in and interpreted that one for him too, didn't he? He said, you need to acknowledge God. And you know what Nebuchadnezzar did? What you and I do. He was like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. And straightway goeth away and forgetteth what manner of man he is. We read where a year later, Nebuchadnezzar looked out over Babylon. He said, is this not great Babylon? This, is this not what all I've created? And in that instant, his mind left him. You can work out. You can have the best of health insurance. You can eat right, and in the snap of your finger, that can be gone. Nebuchadnezzar was like a beast of the field. He went out and eat the grass in the field, lost his mind. I guess you'd say he was just plump crazy. Until God, again, had grace and mercy for him. He came to himself, and you know what he had to do? He had to acknowledge that God was God. He had to acknowledge him as his God. You know, a lot of times in life, I've been there, you have to. We get to a certain place in life, we get to feel pretty good about ourselves and what we've done. It's called pride. Pride goeth before a fall. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar was humble because of his pride. You see, friends, there's more sin than adultery and murder. You can let pride get in your life. And cause you to hurt people that you love. You know why Nebuchadnezzar ignored the words of Daniel when he interpreted the dream? Because he was defiled. How did it manifest itself? In Nebuchadnezzar's pride. Let's go one more. We go one more with it. All right. Daniel was elevated. One of the rulers of Babylon, a captive, an Israelite, a slave, I guess you'd say. And he was made a ruler in Babylon. And the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers were jealous. And they said, "We'll make a law. You know what, what caused that jealousy? They were defiled. They let jealousy rule them. I'm here to tell you today it's easy for you and I to get defiled. If we're not very careful, we'll let our feelings get in the way of God moving in our lives. They said we'll not catch him doing anything. You know why? You know why they could make a statement like that? They knew Daniel's life because of his countenance. Even when they beckoned Daniel to come forth, you know what was stated of him? He was a man that had an excellent spirit. I don't know about you, but I don't believe you can live like the devil at work and shout glory, hallelujah on the altar. I believe you are what you are. And if you defile, you defile. Lord, help me. Pray on for about ten minutes. So you know what happened. They made a law that no man make a petition to anyone but the king for 30 days. And you know what Daniel did? I'm sure he had heard of the law. I'm sure he knew what was going to happen to him. He went to his window and looked toward Jerusalem and prayed every day anyway. I've heard him make the statement. I'm sure it's on the law book somewhere that, that public religion is prohibited in the school system. I'm here to tell you, there's still time to pray. I'm here to tell you, I've got a hold of him myself a few times. He's back in a corner somewhere where nobody was looking, and called on him, and he'd come by and speak peace to me. As a matter of fact, one day last week, I had an angry parent come in. It It wasn't angry at me, but he was irate. He was yelling, he was screaming, and when he finally got back there where I was, he was still angry. And I began to talk to him about how much God had blessed him, what a wonderful family he had, how his children were well behaved and well mannered, and how good God had been to him. You know what happened to his anger? It faded away when you consider the blessings of God in your life. It gives you a different perspective. These men let jealousy get in the way. Daniel prayed anyway. And they brought him in. And the king regrettably had to enforce his law. And so Daniel was cast into the lions, den. Have you been there? Have you heard those lions roar at you? What are you talking about, preacher? Satan goeth to and forth in the earth seeking whom he may devour. One of the scriptures refers to him as a roaring lion. I know that's L-Y-O-N. But good old East Tennessee slang, he's lying. He's the father of lies. And he'll say anything to destroy you. Have you heard the lion roaring in your life? And Daniel was cast into a den of them, And folks knew that must be the end of Daniel. You know what a lion can do. There's studies been done that show the pressure of their jaws when they latch on to something. Surely that's all of Daniel. We'll not hear from him again. And the king spent the night lost sleep, paced back and forth. And early in the morning, he went down to the den of lions. And he said, Daniel, is that king, is that God that you pray to, is he able to deliver you? And he heard a voice. I don't believe it was weak. I believe that Daniel spoke up where everybody could hear him. He said, Oh, king, live forever for God did I serve and uh, send an angel to me this night he shut the lion's mouth and I'm well I'm good I'm blessed I don't care how much the lion roars in your life count your blessings name them one by one and you'll go down the road praising God and ignore the roar of the lion you know why he was cast in there? because of the men that were defiled. These same men who could not interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream never dawned on them that what they were taking in was defiling them. Be really careful. I'm not talking about pork. I'm talking about the things that we see I'm talking about the things that we hear. I'm talking about the things that we witness. I'm talking about the things that stir up these feelings within us that defile us. Now, let's be real careful about that term. Satan's going to throw that ugliness right in front of you. Did you know that? But here's a verse from the New Testament. It's not what goeth into a man that defileth a man. I wish I could quote it exactly. But what goeth out? Listen, we could walk out and see some ugliness right outside our door when we dismiss church tonight. And we can let that bother us. We can talk about that. I never. hmm. I've never in my lifetime seen as much hatred as I have in the last two years. Men determine that they're right and everybody else is wrong. Every way of man, is this not book? (coughs) Every way of man is right in his own eyes. And you know what men have come to the point of? They've come to the point where what they've heard, what they've taken in, has made them so angry, so bitter, that they've wished harm on others that may not see things the way they see them. That's not good. The Bible says to love thy neighbor as thyself. It don't matter what he looks like, what he believes, we're charged with loving one another. These men let jealousy cause them to have Daniel cast into the den of lions. Let's see what happens to men who were defiled. Daniel didn't want to defile himself, did he? And God preserved him through the den of lions. How would you turn out? You know those same men who accused Daniel of breaking the law? You know what the king did to them? He took them and their families and had them cast into the den of lions themselves after Daniel had just walked out unharmed. And you know what the lions did to the men (coughs) who were defiled? They crushed their bones! Well, preacher, I'm okay, are you? What's the lion going to do to you? I'd like to see Satan, I'd give him a black eye. That's not the book. The Bible says to shun the very appearance of evil. Let me tell you something. Well, God threw Satan out of heaven. He do not have any power. He's got more than you do. He's got more than I do. And while we may be like and say, I don't need to read the Bible today, while we may be lazy and not get down on our knees and thank God for our blessings or not pray today like we think we ought to. Satan is always ready to bruise your heel. He's after you night and day. He wants to crush you. And to destroy. Preacher, you're being dramatic. No, I'm telling you the truth. I'm preaching you the gospel. Satan would like to destroy each and every one of us. And whether or not he can, depends on whether or not we allow ourselves to be defiled. John has us raise our hand every Sunday morning if we know a sinner. I named you some when we were doing altar of a few minutes ago. Some that sit here, some that sit there, some that sit back there. You name it, one that sits right over there. What if the Lord wants to save Sunday morning? And He wants to use you. Are you going to be clean Can you say with an honest heart, if you live, if you died right now, everything's good. Now before you agree, this is what the book says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Does that mean it's okay for me to sin? No, it don't. No. Brethren, I write unto you that you sin not. And I can't quote it exactly, but if you do, you have an advocate with Jesus Christ the righteous one. Let me tell you what you are if you sin and you're okay with that. And you never ask the Lord to forgive you. You never ask your brother to forgive you. You never seek forgiveness and never give forgiveness. Let me tell you what you are. You are defiled! You're not fit for the Lord to use you. And I'm not bragging. And I'm not bragging about any of the deacons or either the members here at Dutch Bottoms. The only way God will use you is if you're a clean vessel. I've been dirty myself. You've been dirty before. And the only way to get undefiled, the only way to get cleaned up is to get to Jesus and ask Him to forgive your sins. We had a wonderful service here Sunday morning. Johnny did some of the best preaching, I believe, ever heard him preach. Good spirit was here tonight. But I don't believe the Lord would lay this on my heart if we were all ready to fly away. With what spirit we had just tonight, if we'd have followed the Lord, we could have shouted a house now. Why didn't we do that? Because some were, well, here you go. For him that knoweth to do good. We all think we're pretty smart, don't we? We all know it's a good thing to pray. Now there's saying a prayer, and then there's praying. I might bow my head, say thank you for food, And then we eat. And then there's times that I've got a broken heart. And then there's times that I get down and I pour my heart out to Him. And He talks back to me. And I know I've prayed. Should we be doing that? I believe Daniel's the Bible said, he prayed three times a day. Had he not done that, would he have escaped the lions then? I believe Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, Have they not been faithful, would they have escaped the fire? I've preached to you about men that were defiled. You saw what happened to them. Their lives were a train wreck, their lives were destruction. What kind of life do you want to have? Do you want God to use you? Then, in every, for him that knoweth to do good, it's a good thing to pray, isn't it? It's a good thing to be faithful. And I'm going to have to hit this again. Failing not the assembling. Well, preacher, I'm afraid. Have you bought groceries? Preacher, I'm afraid. Have you bought detergent? I'm not saying that I need to get right up in your face, hug your neck, shake your hand, and tempt God. But what I am saying is I can show you respect. We can worship God together because whether or not I hug your neck does not depend on whether or not you feel the power of God. It does not determine whether or not you go to heaven or hell. But it does matter if you hear the gospel. It does matter if you feel the power of God. Well, preacher, I'll just worship from home. Let's cover that too while we're at it. I'm not being critical, but I am going to ask you this. How can you fulfill the second part of this verse? Not the assembly of yourselves together, but exhorting one another. How are you going to exhort your brother or your sister? How are you going to tell them about the blessings of God in your life from home? How are you going to worship and lift up the name of God and be a blessing to your church members, to your brothers and sisters out of the house of God if only you listen. I know we've got folks in this day and age that have health impairments or physically unable to go to church. And you know what else they don't do? They don't go to the grocery store. You know what else they don't do? They don't go to the Walmart. You know what else they don't do? They don't go out to eat. You know what else? you know where they do go? Nowhere. Because they can't. Because they're physically impaired. And if there's nothing physically wrong with you, if you're not sick, if you proclaim salvation, you need to be in the house of God. And I know somewhere somebody just tuned off our Facebook. Come on back and I'll preach the same stuff Sunday morning. All right. Okay. Yes. We have families at our church this very instant that have the virus do I think they contracted it at our church no I don't no I don't could they yes they could we're trying to be safe we try to scatter out we got a great big sanctuary I would rather come to the house of God and risk the virus. (laughs) Show respect to my brothers and sisters in Christ and try to be a help to somebody. Who are you helping? That's what exhorting is. You're helping somebody. Who are you helping? Now, I know you can get a blessing. I've listened to... I remember one time distinctly. I was pretty low several years ago. The kids were still little. I was at home on a Sunday morning, and I turned on Garrett Bell's radio program. And they wouldn't normally on there, but I heard Moe Holt and his wife and his mama say, and if you've ever met, or met Margie Holt. Mm-hmm. She is a woman that knows the Lord. Right. They sang and the spirit was with them. I had the radio on. I was just laying in the floor. listening to them sing big tears. Rolling down my face. Because I could feel the power of God. But could I have contributed laying in my bedroom floor? God sent a blessing to me right there. But what does the Bible say about blessings? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I can't be a blessing to you if I'm defiled. If I'm eat up with sin. The only way I can get rid of that stuff is to get to the Lord and beg forgiveness And then I got to go fix it with you. Amen. Well, preacher, I talked to the Lord, he forgave me. That's fine. But if you did your brother or sister wrong, there's another step involved. Is that not King James Version Bible? Amen. We got to forgive one another. Amen. And you know what? The very instant a sinner is going to see you, it's the very time. You're talking bad about your brother or sister. If that's what you got, they don't want it. You see, God will require something of his children. I teach school. I've taught school for 32 years. I'm now teaching a generation that nothing has ever been required of them. They've never been required. I remember when I first started, and I'm going to hush you minute. I remember when I first started teaching in third grade and was when you learned the multiplication tables. You had to stand up and you had to recite them. And we go over them every day, over and over and over and over and over. And I had some kids that struggled. We just kept right on practicing. Now they don't have to do that. They might be able to punch it in and tell you the answer but they don't have the mental process to do it anymore up here. That's just a small, small thing. They've not been expected. Preacher, I bring my children to church, but I'm afraid they'd disturb. Not if you let them know the expectations. I understand children are small. I understand sometimes Tammy would take colored books and crayons. She'd take paper and pencil and let them write and draw. And when they wouldn't sit down, she'd get a hold of them, and we'd take them outside, and we'd take care of the situation. We'd bring them right back in and set them right back down. It didn't take... I didn't go out there and calm them down. We spanked them. How's that? Did I beat them? No, I didn't. But I taught them to respect the house of God and when they got older they still respected the house of God as a matter of fact they respected it enough to hear the gospel and be saved by the grace of God I did not preach that to indicate that we have any children here that are unruly I'm just telling you you're inexcusable old man You know what God charged me with? To see the salvation of my children. I'm no different than you. You need to make sure your child is, is saved. Don't let the fact that you're defiled keep you from coming to the house of God. Alright. What kind of life are you going to live? Now I hope that something I've said tonight will, will cause some self-examination. Did you know we're supposed to do that? Read over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 about the communion. After I, the part that I normally read in the service, the next verse or two down says, but let a man examine himself. Sometimes we need to stop and take inventory of what we've gained and what we've lost. And the life that we value so highly may have lost some of its value before we're defiled.